Welcome to another Commissioner conversation. Um, to introduce my panel, we have Kay Benbow, controller of CBBS, Cheryl Taylor, controller of CBBC, uh, Joe Godwin, director of BBC Children's. Um, I'm going to introduce a, a showreel from CBBS in a moment to, to show you where that's at. But before I do, I mean, Broadcast had a front page story a couple of weeks back about the big children's classics revival. And some of these shows are coming to, to BBC. So we're getting shows like uh, Danger Mouse and the new iteration of Teletubbies coming forward. Uh, first of all, I'd like to hear from you about, you know, which of these shows you're excited about and what appealed to you about bringing them back for a new generation uh, and the ability of children's TV to reinvent these characters. Um, and also, if, you know, if, if you had the pick of all potential shows from yesteryear to revive, what would be on your wish list that you aren't already developing? So, do you want to start with Kay? Okay. Um, well, obviously, Teletubbies, I knew would make the headlines, and it was, um, it was an interesting decision, but you have to remember that it's an iconic series. It's always been associated with the BBC. And as somebody said to me um, last night, you know, a, a great show is a great show. A good idea is a, a good idea whenever it is. It's also worth remembering that... Um, the series was made in 4x3, it's not HD, so there would have come a point where we would have been unable to carry on running the episodes. It still works for our very youngest audience, and obviously on CBeebies we, we have new young audience coming through every time, and Teletubbies, it is an iconic brand, it was groundbreaking at the time, and it still works for that young audience. I'll be honest, it took quite a bit of persuading, because I wanted to see and be confident that it, it really would be um, the right thing to do and that it would look great. Um, it is going to be live action, it isn't CGI, it'll be CGI enhanced but it is primarily live action. Um, Maddie Darrell and uh, Billy McQueen have, you know, taken me through the process. We've had long conversations, I went down to the test shoot and it felt like the right thing to do for the audience because it's a great show and it still serves that very, very young audience. And would it follow a, a similar format involving you know, with VTs of, of children in their yep. everyday lives yep. and that sort of thing. And it, they will be within the Teletubby land. Um, a new Teletubby land. Uh, because it'll be, the old one yes, is obviously, because <laughs> the old one is uh, uh, long gone. It was uh, filmed on, on set in, in Wiltshire. But um, yes, yes. It, it'll be obviously very similar. But obviously, it can't be the original. And to return to my other, my other point, are there. Are there shows of yesterday that you think, oh, I'd love, to, I'd love, I'd love that to come back? Well, to which be, you aren't already developing, of course. Um, well, the thing that. is, actually, um, you know, if I'm really honest, Clangers was um, one of my favourite shows as a child, which probably does prove that I am a veteran, actually, so it shows my age a bit. Uh, but um, you know, I loved it, and again, that pitch was something new, something different. And again, I did sort of assume when they uh, said they wanted to come see me, I thought, oh, well, maybe this will be another CGI. But you know, when they said stop frame, it had Peter Furman on, on board, and you know, I just, it was just a brilliant pitch and, and it looks beautiful. In fact, I was, um, I was on set there last week and it is looking stunning. So I'm... And had you been dropping hints? No, actually. It did sort of just appear and I just went, oh, wow. And I, I don't think they kind of probably realised it was one of those things. So it was a sort of an emotional engagement as well. But I do think it's one of those shows that works from the very young to the very old. And I think those shows are timeless and it is beautiful, utterly beautiful. And uh, I think we'll be a delight for today's audience. Okay, Cheryl, they have Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse. Um, 
there was, I've seen there was a, 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 a poster or a still that was out recently of the, the new look. Which yes, the new look. Which, um, what did you think of the new look? Pen, well, uh, I thought it looked very exciting. Yeah. And, and they captured Penfold. I thought it was a hard, <laughs> yeah. it was a hard one to hard one to update than yeah. Danger Mouse in a way. Well, I think I think Boulder, um, who've come on board um, and uh, essentially won the pitch to do the the redesigning, have done a, a absolutely fantastic job. And part of the reason we wanted to go ahead with the new series was that we felt that the redesign stayed both truthful, in a sense, to the essence of Danger Mouse as we um, all know and love him, but also brought something. Um, for the audience of today. Um, and it's, he looks very debonair and dashing, but he has various new sort of um, modern skills. He has an eye patch, um, as in eye dot patch, not just an ordinary eye patch. <laughs> um, and some of the characters will be updated, so characters that might have been male in the past will now be female characters. Um, and I think that the brand um, is uniquely British, isn't it? And I think people feel that they're very proud of it. And... I, I was aware, obviously, um, that people were extremely fond of Danger Mouse. I wasn't quite prepared when um, it was announced um, for the deluge of publicity we've got. I mean, it was huge, and I think someone worked out in the hilarious way that these things happen, that if we wanted to pay for that kind of marketing, it would have cost us nearly a million pounds, <laughs> given the number of news reports there were. And um, I, I, well, I was sent from even as far-flung as a place like Hebden Bridge. Someone had sent me... Uh, uh, in a posh sandwich shop, they had made all the sandwiches of the day into uh, Danger Mouse specials, so you could get a cup. <laughs> I know, it's extraordinary. So there were three, um, Penfold, Danger Mouse and um, Baron Greenback. Um, and I thought, well, that's quite extraordinary, really, that they, they took it up. So I think, um, obviously, for people who love the show, who are not you know, our target audience anymore, there's going to be a great deal of interest, and that's a certain amount of pressure because we've got to get it right. But having seen the scripts, which are really whiz-bang, and they manage to retain that fantastic, um, eccentric, rather old-fashioned um, British humour, as well as, as I say, bringing something fresh for what I feel is um, an audience that... Uh, I think we, in some, in some senses, we don't necessarily have what I call crush-bash boys animation, um, sort of six to nines. And I, I think Danger Mouse will absolutely um, hit the spot in terms of that demographic. And, and part of the appeal, uh, part of its strength originally would, would be both the stories and the voices. Yes. I mean, the voices less so, obviously, in, uh, in Teletubbies. Are you, is it totally original stories? Are they drawing on some of the stories from before, knowing that today's children won't have watched them? I mean, totally original, but obviously some of the tropes from the original series will be there. Um, and what does trope mean? The trope, the, the idiosyncrasies. Right. Is that right? Is that what trope means? I think it means. You do this to me every year. <laughs> every year he picks me up. On a, last year it was Balath. Do you remember? I thought, you bugger. It's because I've, I've got some limited vocabulary. This is what so. we have to put up with yeah. the BBC children. If anyone's taking minutes, see me later. Um, so, yes, the idiosyncrasies of the original scripts, um, some of them are, are, are retained, but obviously there's, you know, there's, there are some new characters. And um, in terms of the voices, that's an ongoing process. I can tell you that I've had about three gazillion emails from people across the land saying, please, please, let me come and audition for Danger Mouse. Um, and um, at some point in the near future, we'll be announcing um, who will be the, the new voices. But we hope to involve perhaps people from the past as well. Yeah, okay. And and, and Joe, I mean, for, for the overall sort of children's package, you know, obviously you you want that mix of 
old and new, uh, yeah. and getting that balance right is 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 is, is part of the yeah, job. And, um, and I'm I am worried that we're we're there are no new ideas and that we're having to just reboot these old <laughs> we, we did the sums yesterday because I knew you'd want to talk about it. It's 1% of the commissioning Kay and Cheryl do is something you could call a reboot. Mm. So I think, although it was lovely to be on the front page of broadcast, I think it's the reboot element of it isn't a, a significant thing. It just happens to be, with the clangers, particularly in Danger Mouse, I think, two things that have excited a certain yeah. age of mm. nostalgic viewer. Uh, and I guess, you know, coincidentally, others have come through as well, like, like the Wombles, for example, and, mm -hmm. and one or two other, other projects. Yeah. So but it is a tiny it proportion. Is tiny. We and literally the, added it up. And for the audience, a large part of the audience, these are, these are new characters. Exactly. They won't be familiar. Yeah, and I think people have been rebooting and reinventing things for years. I think in the sort of classic serials and book-based dramas, you know, think of how many times The Famous Five or Just William have been done. And I think in Unscripted, we're reinventing things all the time. It's just they're often not called the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you might have had Play School, now you have Show Me, Show Me. You might have had Why Don't You, now you've got Friday Download. So I don't think the reinvention thing is, is a new or particularly topical phenomenon. Could we ask the audience which other shows they'd like to bring yeah. back? Mm -hmm. oh, Actually... If you don't want to call them fairy tales, call them the international popular tale. <laughs> they are huge. When are you going to start putting them forward as drama? You could do it on a shoestring. You could do it green screen with pictures from traditional storybooks, which are out of copyright for backgrounds. Please, please do it. Children <laughs> need fairy tales. Thank you. Okay, that's one. Another, another reboot idea. How about Cat Weasel? I love Cat Weasel. <laughs> Cat Weasel. Where, where's that coming from? Oh, back. hello. Cat Weasel. That was on ITV, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was Danger Mouse, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Passionate. <laughs> the shoe people. The shoe people, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Was that? Singing wings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't think you get that on these days. It was so macabre, wasn't it? I don't yeah. think. <laughs> Sherry, you, you've not answered to uh, your, your dream. Uh, probably Hong Kong Fooey for me. <laughs> <laughs> Loved Hong Kong Fooey. Joe? Well, you do show your age by what you'd like to be brought back, don't you? And, um, or one does, rather. And, and, it, and it's lovely because it just reminds, as we all know, which is why we're all here, that what you loved as kids stays important forever. I mean, I'm a child of the Trumptonshire trilogy. Trumpton, Camberwick Green and Chigley. And I saw the Trumpton Fire Brigade figures in a glass case in a museum a few weeks ago. And it just took me back to being four or five, or maybe even three. So I loved all those Gordon Murray, Trumpton Shire things. There you go. So this time next year, we may be talking about the reboots of, of Trumpton <laughs> and uh, Hong Kong Fui. OK. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about some of the channels. Should we have a look at the CBeebies uh, showreel? Kay, do you want to introduce 
this or does it speak for itself? I think it speaks for itself, but it's just um, this is the year that we brought drama to the channel, so I'm very proud of what we've done this year. Any dry eyes in the house after the Bernard Burnett Cribbins clip? gets you every time. <laughs> um, it's sort of a great mixture of stuff mm. then. You talked about, about drama in particular, yeah. about live action. Um, wh where does that sit within CBBS, and is there room for more of that? Absolutely. Um, it very much sits at the heart of what we do at CBBS. Um, obviously, the point of the channel is to have a rich mix, and so I want the best of everything, whether it's animation or live action. Um, I think it's about... Two or three years ago, I stood here and asked for drama, and I know it's a challenge on our budgets, but people are very creative and inventive, and they partner and they think about how to do things, and Topsy and Tim um, has been our most successful show of the year. It has absolutely delighted the audience. Katie Morag has um, been hugely appreciated by the audience, and we had... We had emails from grandparents saying how much they enjoyed watching it with their children at the weekends. And again, the nostalgia thing, I, I felt that our audience deserved the sort of Sunday tea time serial that I used to watch as a child. And again, uh, proving, proving myself a veteran, I used to watch a series called Heidi, which I think was actually a European production and it was, it was, um, it was dubbed, but I just loved it. And I think, you know, Katie Morag was commissioned to sort of deliver that. Uh, Topsy and Tim is more of an ongoing narrative, a sort of everyday, you know, they want more of it. Um, so they've performed brilliantly. So live action for me is hugely important uh, to what we do on the channel. You know, Andy's Dinosaur Adventures, the, the CBB's Stargazing, um, you know, Bernard in Old Jack's Boat, the, the Christmas Carol. Um, for me, it was about trying to get a more dramatic um, cohesion across the channel. So I felt that Old Jack's Boat Christmas Special, CBB's Christmas Carol was a theatrical production rather than a, a straightforward panto that fitted with the overall sort of drama that was also going on uh, on CBeebies. But um, obviously animation remains incredibly important. You, you know, things like Octonauts and Sarah and Duck, um, <coughs> just fantastic high quality content. So yeah, live action though, uh, important and I would very much like to do more and I would like to do more drama. Um, one means of achieving more of that in the future, obviously, is, is if the tax break for live action comes off. And we had Billy McQueen talk about um, yeah. this yesterday. Can you outline for me what, first of all, you know, your personal views on it are and what it could mean for CBBS? And we can bring Sheridan to talk about CBBC mm -hmm. as well. Um, I mean, you know, it's hard for us to sort of do a, a, a BBC position, but, you know, on a personal note, if it means that we can make more drama, uh, then for me that's a great thing. I think the point was made yesterday, it's about if, if the tax break came in, it would enable the quality threshold to perhaps go up because it just gives you that bit more flex. Everything isn't done then um, on the tightest possible schedule and you're not pushing people to the, you know, to the nth degree. Uh, so for me, it would be a great thing because it would enable us to do more, particularly on CBBS where the budgets are smaller. And you know, that's why we haven't really done drama until now. Uh, but you know, Katie Morgan, Topsy and Tim have proved that we can do it, but let's, let's keep it going. I want to keep it going because I think the audience, it's, you know, they have been phenomenally successful um, and there's a huge appetite for it and our, our audience deserve it. You know, that's what it is for me. The children deserve it, our audience deserve it, why shouldn't they have it? And it is a relatively small thing to do to, um, to enable that. 
So, yeah, that's a, that's a personal yeah. view. And Cheryl? Yes, I mean, obviously I concur with Kay and probably the vast majority of people. I think he was speaking at the session about this yesterday. I mean, one small thing to add is just that, you know, we work with a lot of very talented, passionate, industrious people. And someone made, I thought, a very good point yesterday, which is, you know, if, if they don't have to be spending a huge amount of their time chasing that extra 20%, they can be even more creative and in, industrious, um, you know, with relation to the end product. And I think that is, is a very relevant point. Yeah. And within your clips there, we saw lots, still lots of Justin Fletcher still <laughs> presiding over the channel like a colossus. He, yes. <laughs> he will never stop, I assume. Well, <laughs> Looks like he'll never stop. I don't think so. I don't think Justin ever stops. Um, no, we're, we're actually... Um, uh, he's they're just finishing off shooting um, Giggle Biz at the yep. moment. There's another series of Giggle Biz uh, in production. There'll be another series of Justin's House. Um, and obviously his commitment to something special is uh, hugely important to the channel, but also to, to the audience. I mean, it's, it's an incredibly... It, it is an inclusive show, but it, it is a channel-defining show. It, mm. you know, it is one of the shows that people know sort of only really CBeebies would do, and mm. it is his commitment and dedication to the audience that's, that's hugely important to us. Um, so, yes, obviously, there remains a place for Justin on the channel, but, you know, I have to say, you look at, look at the, the range of talent across um, CBeebies, and you've got Andy Day, you've got Kat Sandian coming through, making her presence felt on presentation, but she did a fabulous job in uh, A Christmas Carol, so we've, we've got new talent coming through as well. Um, wasn't, I don't I think I didn't miss her, but anyway. And then Jess French in Mini Beast Adventures with Jess. So we've got, mm. we have got new talent coming through and I've got a new series coming from our team in Scotland um, called My Pet and Me and we've got two brand new presenters there. So, and who are they and where did they, where did um, they come from? They are both um, animal experts, uh, Fern and Rory, and uh, they are out filming at the moment with children and their pets and they will be on screen later this year. So it was, it, was, it was about finding people with a passion, but also an expertise, because I think that's, that's really, really important. And the same, I was really, really delighted that we got Maggie Adair in Pocock for stargazing, and then not long after we'd had her on CBB stargazing, she was announced as presenter on Sky at Night, so I was, I was quite, quite proud of that. So uh, it is, it's about passion, but expertise as well, because I think then, you know, the... the the authentic voice and, uh, mm. you know, authority comes through. And then bringing in people like Brian Cox as well from... Yeah, we were quite Melbourne. lucky quite to get, get Brian. I was pleased about that. Uh, it was lovely to, to sort of see him on the channel. And, you know, we're very lucky that people quite often ask to do bedtime stories or be part of that. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a Any names doing channel. bedtime stories you can share? Any exciting new signings? Um, gosh, I think... I'm just trying to think who's... Uh, Tom Hollander, was he coming? Yes, I think, I think he is. I think so. I hate to say it because what <laughs> will happen now is that then it'll get cancelled. But we think, we it, think right? yeah, Tom Hollander's one. Yeah. Great stuff. We've got a few requests in. Um, and actually, I, I, it's a question of who's actually said yes and then whether we can make it happen. So I I, it'll sort of be the kiss of death. I'll announce it and then they'll suddenly their schedule will yeah. change and they won't <laughs> be able to do it. But we've had a, we've had a really, really good range again this year. Um, and in the past, you've spoken about uh, sort of role models and sort of hero mm -hmm. characters um, with an eye on sort of gender diversity in particular. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that mix is working? And are, are there, again, are there things you're looking, looking for more of in that, in that space? Um, yes, it's an ongoing thing. It's a question I ask every time because, you know, I still feel there is an, a tendency for the, the default position to be a, a male lead or a male presenter. 
Um, I've said this before, so forgive me for sounding like a broken record, but it is, it's actually really hard. You can easily say, Mr. Maker, Mr. Bloom, Mr. Tumble, you know it's a man. Not quite simple for women. You know, what do you say? Ms., Mrs., Miss? We're sort of defined by our marital status, which I think is a bit of a drag, really. Um, so I think it's actually about putting... The thing that people get very hung up on is the, the name and the title. And they go down the list and say, oh, there you are, so you've got hardly any women on the channel. And that's not true, but we've probably got to get better at putting the names in the title so that, therefore, it, it doesn't look like we're not reflecting but I think uh, you, I think you have got much better, and I think it you're is. right. That yeah that so many of these reports that we get bashed over the head so with are, are analysis of programme yeah. titles. Now, I know that's important, but my experience is that the role models that inspire children to shape their attitudes are not the titles mm. of the show, they're the role models, the characters and the stories in the show. Mm. And I think on that score, you can see from that showreel, you'd mm. be hard put to find a television channel anywhere in the world that had a more diverse range mm. of role models than CBeebies does. And, and I continue to ask the question at pitches. So it's, you know, if, if, so for example, I think we've got more female narrators now. And actually, to be fair, somebody wrote in and said about three years ago, I've noticed you don't have as many female narrations perhaps on animation or, or just generally. So, you know, for T and Mo, we had Lauren Laverne. Um, you know, you can see in that showreel, you know, Maggie on Stargazing. Uh, we've got Jess doing Mini Beast. We've got, as I say, another. Uh, new female lead in our My Pet and Me. So it's, it's an ongoing thing, yeah. and it, I do feel it's my responsibility to keep asking those questions. But, you know, think, think creatively. And, and, and another new series I've got, which I can't mention yet because it's, it's uh, still early days, but, you know, they've actually come and said they're absolutely going to have a female um, narration, which is great because I think five years ago that would have just been automatically they would have probably gone for a, a male voice. But that's not to say I don't want men on the channel as well. You know, I am <laughs> in my ho household, you know, I've, I've got two sons and a husband, so I'm, you know, it's a pretty male-dominated household. I think both Kay and I agree as well that, yeah. that people always ask these questions. And actually, if they watch the channels, and yes. I'm sure all of you watch channels a lot, and you'd agree that if you watch the channels, there's a, a, a mm. really huge mix. And, yeah. and we're asked this every year, but actually... I think they are highly representative, so yeah. um, I hope one year we won't be asked that question. Mm -hmm. um, uh, well, Cheryl, let's talk about uh, CBBC. I mean, what recent shows are really sort of really hitting the spot for you? Um, or upcoming shows? Upcoming shows. Well, um, I wanted to, just to mention, partly because in a way as a, a quartet of programmes, I think they, they represent the channel, actually, in many ways. We've got... Um, four really distinctive programmes coming up for the, the um, World War I centenary um, commemoration. And one is obviously Horrible Histories, who are doing a World War I special. And in that way that I think both that show and the channel do, they've brought humour to learning. And so kids, you know, will be able to watch this and, and in, it, through the sketches and the songs will, I think, learn quite a lot about World War I, but in a very entertaining but not disrespectful way. Um, we put out a brief, um, which is something that, in terms of drama, we do from time to time for a three-part um, drama series. And I was very keen that it, it wasn't what I call trench and trauma drama, because I felt that uh, across the BBC that would be um, prevalent. And um, in-house production, um, got the script from Guy Burt, it's a beautiful script, called Harriet's Army, which follows the adventures of a young girl who gets a bit distrusted that 
all the boys essentially are getting involved in the war and she really, really wants to help. Um, and it's shot in the northeast and is um, fantastically acted, beautifully written and brilliantly produced. And it's a, a, a great three-parter that will play out alongside the last few episodes of the big performance that Melissa's been looking after. Um, and that this year's got Gareth taking a really diverse group of unbelievably talented children who are all working towards writing a song for one of the big commemorative services that's going to be in Belgium. I think it's at the 6th of August. 6th of August. Um, but while they're learning and while they're um, working together to make these songs, um, they're also meeting some of their heroes and heroines of, of the music world, which is great. But even better than that, Gareth takes them off on various trips to Folkestone to talk about you know, what it was like for the people involved in the war. He goes through some of their history, their personal family history, and tells them things about some of their relatives who were involved in the war, stuff that they never knew, letters that have come in and, and various facts, as well as going to the trenches and they all dress up in uniforms and experience just a little of what it was like to be a soldier in, in the trench. So that's you know an extraordinary series because it, again, in terms of the, the, the sort of overall channel remit of, of learning through entertainment and um, you know engaging children on a level that they really um, find accessible. It's just brilliant. And the last one is um, Operation Ouch. Um, that's been an a, amazingly successful kind of brand for us. And the, the two twins, um, Dr. Chris and Dr. Zand, go off and look at how, although it was sort of horrific, a lot of the, you know, the medical um, situations that, that people experienced during the war, how that promoted great advances in medical science because people have to really do it on the hop. It's a really, really fascinating programme, which, as I say, is, is both interesting but reveals some of the moments of the war in a way that's incredibly engaging. Um, so I think that season that's just starting now and will carry on for the next sort of six or eight weeks is something to watch out for. And we ought to say CBeebies has got some World War I content as well, which complements that. Yes, there's, and it's obviously harder to do, but the series called My Story, we've... Um, We've uh, managed to sort of reference childhood 100 years ago and, and sort of reference the war and about the fact that, you know, the, the fathers had to go away. So we, managed, we have managed to participate mm. in that. And it's harder to do, but um, we are doing it. Right, so, and these sort of, you know, events within the year mm. or sort of anniversaries mm. help give a sort of a, a focus mm. to the channel. Um, mm -hmm. And you've, you've now done stuff uh, with... National Ballet and, yes. and obviously the the, the, uh, the panto season and mm -hmm. the same thing as well. So you're able to do things beyond beyond the screen. Is, are those sort of arts partnerships continuing? Very definitely. There's going to be a third partnership with the Northern Ballet. So we're going to do another one, which will be uh, for Easter, uh, next Easter. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll be doing another Christmas show. Uh, that's going to be done at the Lowry um, in Salford. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say it's Peter Pan, <laughs> but it's, it'll be an adaptation in the way that Christmas yep. Carol was an adaptation. Uh, we're also doing our first CBeebies prom, uh, weekend of the 25th, 26th of July, so we're really excited about that. Uh, that's a real first, so yes, um, got uh, that's sort of all in production and the final rehearsals will be in a few weeks' time, so... Uh, that really is a, a lovely, lovely one. Um, I think things like Melody, which is a, obviously appreciation of, of classical music, but, but with a special relevance to children with visual impairment. Uh, Magic Hands with the, the poetry. Um, we very much hope to be part of 
you know, I'm looking ahead to sort of what we can do to be part of the, um, the Shakespeare anniversary. Uh, so yes, the arts remain important mm. to us. And I think at, e even at, uh, you know, I think there might be an assumption that the very young aren't part of that, but I think it's, it should start that. there. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, ballet, theatre, arts, um, classical music, all kinds of music. So yeah, we're very, very And this is part of a, you know, obviously a, bit, a bigger push at the BBC, yeah. which I'm sure CBBC is, is part of too. Well, mm -hmm. You've had a lot of sort of performing arts and, uh, and, and sort of yes. dance academies and things. Are, yeah. are there, is there more in that space for, for you as well? Yes, we've got a new show called Art Ninja, um, which will be coming in the autumn. Um, and this is hosted by um, a really extraordinary um, artist called Ricky Martin. Strangely, not <laughs> not the Ricky Martin, um, <laughs> who works out of Ardman, um, and he's looking at you know a myriad of different areas of the arts and encouraging a lot of um, participation and involvement from the audience. Um, and for National Poetry Day as well, we're we're going to be having Michael Rosen on the channel for the whole day, and Blue Peter and Prayers and um, various other programmes going to elicit um, contributions from the audience, hopefully. Um, and those that Michael likes um, will be read out um, on the day itself. So various things around that as well. Good stuff. Um, one of the big CBB's commissions coming up is Furchester, um, which has been a long time coming. Um, and if Kay, do you want to sort of describe how that got to screen? Uh, yes, so the Furchester Hotel. Um, it's a partnership with... Sesame Workshop. Um, I'd known Terry Fitzpatrick from Sesame in my previous role and we were talking some years ago when I first got this job and how it would be good to work together and I kind of wanted to know, did that just mean you want me to take Sesame Street for CBeebies or, or could, we be more, um, could it be more than that? And he sort of reached into his bag and said, well, have a little look at this and we put a DVD on and, and it was sort of this crazy hotel run by Muppets and you asked me about a you know, good good pitching line and he said it's sort of faulty towers meets the muppets and i thought okay this is kind of interesting um because i was a huge fan of faulty towers as a as a teenager so um K Kay is cutting a bit out of this story which is that terry reached into his bag about 13 times <laughs> with things to pitch k <laughs> the last one this was, was a, this was sort of his last yeah right. and it was, was, suddenly it, was it all different Classic lots. sitcoms mixed with, with Muppets? No, no, no. <laughs> there were lots of various ideas, but he, this, he said, well, you might like this, because I think I, we talk, I, it was talking about how you know, live action is important, but I, I wanted to do something distinctive and different, and how could we partner? How could you bring those two brands, CBeebies and Sesame, together to create something really distinctive? And basically from there, um, that the, their team and, and our in-house team, it, there were gradual conversations, and it was, it was sort of, it was very respectful, but... We, in the end, uh, collaborated. It was an amazing sort of creative collaboration. And the show has been absolutely co-developed between the team in New York and, and the team mm -hmm. in Salford. And, um, yeah, it, it's looking amazing. We, we had it in the studio um, on, in Salford for, I think it was the best part of 12 weeks, uh, and went through all the scripts written ahead. It was, it was incredibly carefully worked out because, obviously, you know, every penny has to go on the screen, and, and it was a very um, well-worked-through schedule, and they worked for 12 weeks in the studio, they're now in post-production. But the set was just completely stunning, the way it was built up uh, for the performers. We had the puppeteers come over from uh, New York and work with us, and, and so we had the best of 
American and UK puppeteers. So that was an amazing collaboration, and they all got on brilliantly. Um, it's very, very funny, um, and I, I do think that's going to, well, I hope it's going to be a, a, a great success when we launch in the autumn. And so. that's the kind of thing that needed that. Yeah, that, it had that to be a partnership. I couldn't possibly have fully funded that. Um, but I think it just shows when you, when you partner, you can create great things, and I'm extremely grateful to uh, Abigail Appleton in learning because she's helped me... Um, make sure that we can do shows like Magic Hands and Melody. Um, you know, the partnership with Sesame has been incredible and I think really produced something standout uh, that, that will make a real impact on the channel. Um, a lot's been said in the last couple of years about a desire to uh, work together as channels, CBBC and CBBS, have some sort of transition. I mean, it strikes me that something like The Muppets, you know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a brand that, that probably could go across to, for example. I know some steps have been taken mm -hmm. in that area. Yeah. Um, how, what stage are we at with, with sort of transitioning? Mm -hmm. uh, um, we're doing various things, and it's something that Kay and I mm -hmm. talk about a lot, mm -hmm. but we're also aware that the channels, to some degree, have their own discrete identity, and we want to go forward advisedly on this. Um, we, we've already commissioned, and it's up and running, um, an, a game that, that lives both on the CBB's website and the CBBC called Fly High and Huggy, which is doing very well, although at the moment we don't have the data to um, assess how successful it is at shuttling um, kids who are playing it on CBBS over to the CBBC website. And over the next 18 months, we're looking at doing two or three drama co-commissions, um, which we hope will give us a sense, without in, you know, rocking the boat too much, of um, whether or not that's an appropriate way, in a sense, to encourage people to make that migration from the preschool channel up to CBBC. And Katie Morag as well. We'll be showing a few episodes of that on CBBC, um, along with another two, I think, dramas, which mm. we haven't announced yet. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. It's, it's ongoing. And if the CBBC then, audience knows it's on CBBC, will they think, oh, that's for babies? How, we saw this research yesterday in, yeah. in the, uh, the hero session mm -hmm. of... Uh, sort of the ruthlessness of children, if you like, once they feel that something's too young for them. How I do, think how you, do you, you hear work? conflicting things because, on the one hand, you hear research like that, but then you get a show like Topsy and Tim, mm. and occasionally episodes of that have a higher six to twelve um, contribution than what's showing on CBBC at the same time. Mm. So I think you know it, it's it's a very changeable um, mm. offering. And I think Kay's right to, to target drama, actually, because it's a, such a popular genre. And I think often older kids at the same time as being um, curious and wanting to be grown up suddenly feel a bit vulnerable and want to watch something comforting and, and, we'll, and we'll go back. And Katie Morag was a, a great, you know, fly her and huggy because obviously that was online, that was a game. So that felt like, mm. you know, that worked. And you can add complexity, essentially. Yes, absolutely. You, you can, you move, fro you literally go at the levels and then yeah. you move across to, to the older on CBBC, but also Katie Moore, I mean, it's quite obvious that show isn't for babies, and I think because it comes from a book that are well-loved, and they're, they're well up the age range for CBBS, you know, and we actually wondered, you know, just, just that little clip with her, you know, booting her teddy bear into the sea, you know, that's the kind of thing that might, you know, it, 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 to us it's fine, but, you know, to some children they might find that upsetting, mm. some parents might find that upsetting, but you know what, she's quite a feisty character. And uh, she has a stop every now and then, and I rather like her because of that. So I, I think it's about choosing the right, mm. the right titles, isn't it? Yeah. But we have to do it, and, and we're, we've got to be bolder. The other thing is it's not just about television. And I think mm. when we're sitting here or 
the people who replace us are sitting here in five or ten years' time. I think the role of the iPlayer, being able to make your own playlist and selection, will make all this considerably easier because we know that lots of younger kids watch Arthur on CBBC, lots of CBBC kids dip back into CBBS when they're in the right mood to watch Tree Feet Tom. We, we know that teenagers watch CBBS when they feel like it. And I think when you can build your own playlist, mm -hmm. and also you can, nobody has to know what channel you're watching, yeah, I think that will allow yeah. that fluidity to, to, to be much mm -hmm. easier for people to do. And I make it my business to ask teenagers, actually, whether they watch the channel, because we know, we know from our brilliant stepping out sessions that a lot of the kids say, CBBC, it, it, that's for children. And they, they don't want to admit that they watch it. But I was actually, I mean, regardless of our actual 6 to 12 age group, I was... Um, talking to a group of um, school leavers, so they were sort of, you know, 18 plus. And I said, just as a matter of interest, put up your hand if secretly you go home and watch, you know, Tracy Beaker, The Dumping Ground, or Wolf Blood on the right, and half of them put the hand up. So, you know, we, we, do, we know that if a brand is sticky enough that they will watch it, but they, they won't necessarily admit that to their peer group. Well, Wolf Blood, of course, had the BBC three repeats mm -hmm. um, yeah. mm -hmm. in, in recognition of it, so I guess it's, it's broader yeah. appeal. Yeah. Um, now, I play as you. you know, iPlayer is, is commissioning a fair amount of stuff at, the pre at present in sort of factual and comedy, and obviously the BBC Three stuff separately for this uh, will, will change shape. Are, are there talks, other opportunities for children's content to premiere on iPlayer, or is it early days for something like that? Well, we, we have had, done we've some. Had to, hmm, you, do you want to talk about No, that? you can. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Um, um, well, the tropes of the iPlayer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ballast now. <laughs> Um, Hank Zips, the fantastic Hank Zips and the Four O'Clock Club, um, the last two series were um, premiered on iPlayer. And we wanted to try out a new brand and an established brand. Mm. And it's very interesting because um, once the audience realised that immediately after they watched one episode, they could see essentially next week's episode straight away, there was a massive spike on the iPlayer and um, the, the audience figures were fantastic. And I can't remember the exact percentage, but um, as the series went along, more and more of the audience started watching on the iPlayer immediately after the, the previous episode. So that was seen as a very successful um, experiment. We would like to do more, but we're slightly bound by the, the sort of iPlayer team who are yeah. assessing all this information and working out what it means for the iPlayer. But obviously for children, um, we're all aware of how much they love the iPlayer and you know, have become very comfortable with it. So I think in future it's quite exciting to think about what we could do. I, I think it won't be long before the notion of it's got to be on the telly and then it can be on the iPlayer and if you want a premiere on the iPlayer that's a big special deal. I think that's got to change, especially when BBC Three becomes an online proposition and I think as, as the whole debate about the licence fee and, and the iPlayer is a big part of that happens. I think we, we have to, for this audience, just be freed up more to, to try more things, put things on the platforms they want when they want them. And I'm e sure even even a whole series in, in time? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, Joe had a, coined a good phrase. It doesn't happen very often. But, um, he, he, he talked about channel agnostic content. Mm. And, um, and I think that is the key, really. That going back to what I was saying before about children wanting to be hip and trendy, maybe not saying that they watch a children's channel, that obviously if something exists in a space where they don't feel it is affiliated to a channel, but they love the brand, then obviously that's, that's very helpful. Um, and I'm sure more of that will happen. And, you know, some of our top drama brands, they have a between, I think the top three have between a 34 and a 37% iPlayer contribution to viewing, which is massive. 
Um, so. We're only laughing as the three of us spent breakfast trying to understand the percentages of iPlayer contribution <laughs> to our Because we we'd all got different well numbers in our heads. I ought to just say about iPlayer, if anyone's not seen it, we've got two new iPlayers mm. that have launched recently for CBBS and CBBC, which BBC Future Media and our iPlayer team built, which are superb, safe iPlayer environments for kids. Mm. So the BBC is investing really heavily in iPlayer, but also remembering children have very specific needs and... Um, requirements around the iPlayer. So that, <coughs> but that is, that, is, that is them aligning themselves with the brand again, which you perhaps is. Yeah. Yes. So that on, on those spaces, they, they know they were watching CBBC rather than iPlayer generally. You were saying before about how older audiences yeah. like to... I thought, I, I think, I mean, um, lovely Lisa But you can get our stuff through the i Sorry, Cheryl. You can get our stuff through the iPlayer oh, as yes. well. So if you yeah. want to be agnostic and yeah. just watch mm -hmm. Binge on Wolfblood, you can do that straight through iPlayer. Yeah. If you're a CBBC fanatic, of which there are millions, and likewise CBBC, you can go into the CBBC or CBBC iPlayer. Without seeing inappropriate content. Without seeing the links yeah. to the news at the top bar and without ha I mean, <laughs> having search that's just within our content. So there's, there's different ways of so doing it. And I think new iterations of iPlayer will bring more and more playlisting and favouriting mm. opportunities mm. where you can build your own stacks mm. of stuff. And just in answer to your question, I mean, a, a, a brilliant acquisition from Sarah and Lucy, um, the next steps has performed unbelievably well on iPlayer and I suspect that a lot of the, you know, the upper end of the age group are watching it aren't particularly aware that it's a CBBC show. Um, they'll just be watching the next steps on iPlayer. Um, and I think for the older skewing stuff, that will become, as Joe says, more and more the case. Yeah. Um, one other area I wanted to touch on is, is comedy. That's obviously your background, Cheryl, and sketch shows in particular. I mean, it feels like children's t television has sort of single-handedly kept those, yes. kept that genre going on, on, on telly. Horrible Histories has set us head a very high benchmark for this, but we've had you know, Giggle, Giggle mm -hmm. on, on CBBS. We've had Fit and now, I suppose, DNN, in a sense, on CBBC, amongst others. Mm. Yes. With horrible histories finishing, you know, people would have expected a, a bit of a gap. Can you do these shows have have similar legs? Are there more areas you're looking to do sketch comedy in, with perhaps more of an educational bent, like horrible histories had? Well, actually, we are doing more horrible histories. Um, it's coming down the tracks, um, but not this year. Um, and I think that DNN has done a, a, a brilliant job. It feels very fresh. Um, it's brought in a fantastic new set of um, comedy performers, many of them female, um, as has um, one of my favourite shows, The Dog Ate My Homework, which um, those of you who've seen that is a, the CBBC panel show um, hosted by Ian Sterling. And rather brilliantly, um, unlike other areas, perhaps the BBC, um, it's got, I think, a 50% contribution from female comedians on the panels, which is fantastic. Um, and it's proved enormously popular with kids because it's a lot of physical humour, mm. a lot of a lot of gameplay, um, and also we're bringing in people from across CBBC's different shows yeah. into different. Yeah, it is. And it seeing like funny kids, which we, yeah. is a hard thing to get right, but I think the the way they've done it on Dog Ate My Homework to have <laughs> professional comedians, CBBC stars, and then funny kids is just, mm. I think it's the best thing of its kind we've done for years. I think comedy, you know, actually, if you watch most of the. The shows on the, the channel, um, they have some kind of comedic element to them. Um, and, you know, I know obviously my background is, is comedy and I, I adore the, the brilliant new shows like Hank Sipser, All at Sea, which 
you know, from my experience with adult comedy, I know how hard it is to get those shows right, and I, I think they've done unbelievably well and have, have lent a real kind of aspirational comedy sheen to the channel. And I'm sure that, you know, going forward, we've got, we've got well, I was just saying to Joe this morning, actually, that right at this moment, we have 11 live-action dramas and comedies in production, which is extraordinary and very exciting. So that's a huge number, I think. And um, having read the scripts of, of all of these, they're, they're just incredibly high quality. And um, I think that's, that's really hard for any you know, channel controller to say they have confidence in, in all of the, the comedy and development because sometimes you scratch your head and think, oh, actually, I'm a bit worried about this one. But they're all just fantastic. So I'm incredibly proud and grateful to the, the sort of bold people who, mm. who sort of put their neck on the line and come up with this stuff and produce it. It's Return to your point about horrible histories then, what, what are you doing with them going down the line? Because it, it seemed quite final when, when they were discussing it last year in the most recent series aired. No, I think um, we just felt that there was, you know, it's obviously a brand that the audience adore, um, it, it, possibly more than any other show on the channel, it, it manages to sit, if it wants to, in two different genres. You can call it absolutely a comedy because it's so damn funny. But if you want to call it a factual offering, you absolutely can as well, because everything in it is factually correct. Um, so it, it just seemed too good an opportunity, really, to say, well, is, is that really it? So we just discussed what, what, what might happen, and we're, we're just looking at how, how that might evolve, um, possibly with new additions and new people. But um, we certainly just wanted to continue the conversation. I mean, obviously, there are, you know, there are brands on the channel, the, the super brands, as it were, um, you know, like Deadly 60 and Horrible Histories, where you think, what will, what might be the next iteration of this, what might be the new landmark show, and we're always really keen to hear ideas along that, along that line, but I certainly think with Horrible Histories, um, it's still got a, a life in it, yeah. So, the current position you're, you're in discussion with, with Lion and Citrus, essentially, yes. about what shape that might take, that there's no series commission as such, but there's a series ambition. I so. think there's probably more than just a, a, a vague intent, is what... You're say. close to us here. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> conscious of, of um, our comms people saying, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you but just did say it. I think we just said yeah, we, we are doing more horrible histories with lion television. I told the comms people to stand up and throw things at us <laughs> if you said anything wrong, um, and they haven't yet. Well, shall we have a look at, we have not had a look at, at CBBC yes. on screen yet, so yeah. let's, let's see some of these, sh these shows we've been discussing. And you all have to guess who the voiceover is. CBBC and CBBC HD are the homes of exclusive BBC content for 6 to 12 year olds. So does anyone recognise the voice? Should they? No, not Tom. Yeah. Very good. I have to say that we were expecting the delightful and incredibly funny Susan Coleman to be doing the voiceover and were let down at the last minute. So Sid bravely stepped into the breach for your delectation. Um, so good for him. But I, it's a terrible thing. I must say this to the collective gathering here that, that there's so much on the channel that I always feel woebegone to some degree because that, that's a marvellous reel and full of stuff but it's literally only like a third or a quarter of the things we do so please don't be offended if your clip or your show isn't there it's just impossible to squeeze it all where in. was strange hill high as well yes yeah, so well exactly um, you know. and that's a show that that sort of that 
in retrospect, feels like there was a gap before that show on the channel yeah. in terms yeah. of that kind of amazing world of Gumball kind of feel to it, kind of things that, that some of the commercial broadcasters are doing with a very uh, witty, smart, funny sort of action. And it's fantastic. fantastic animation too. And all, all, all made, you know, in this country, which I think is marvellous, is a real labour of love for the people um, who, you know, initiated it and then spend hours and hours and hours working out how to make those puppets, you know, combine with that hybrid puppet and animation vibe. Great, great voiceovers, brilliant scripts, showrunner Josh Weinstein, fantastic, um, and a real asset to the channel. It's just brilliant. I wanted to touch on the, uh, the Ludus and the, the, the play-along game with that, because that was very much a, mm. a multi-platform commission, and it's gone on to huge success in, in yes. terms of both the show, the play-along, and also games beyond the show. Yes. What have you taken from that? What could, can we see more of this uh, sort of play-along stuff coming forward? We, we had a... Uh, I mean, part of the reason we took up time, in a sense, and that real didn't have Strange Hill, for example, was to just look at the first that have happened, and obviously... The, the different interactive offerings that we've had on the channel in the last 12 months have, um, have been um, much talked about. I think the play-along was, again, it was a risk. Um, they were bold decisions. Um, they took a lot of hard work. We, we right up to a few weeks before TX of um, the, the actual programmes, we didn't necessarily know whether the play-along was going to work. Um, it all did, thanks to some fantastic... Um, people working very long hours. And we know that the expectation, I think, we, we all say, well, how will we measure success? What will be our measures of success? And I think that the people involved, Simon Cobb and Mario, Melissa, um, when it comes to leaders, um, were thinking that possibly 6% of the viewing audience, if they were playing along at home, that would be a, a fairly good measure of success. And in actual fact, I think with, with Gory Games, it was um, an average of 15% for that show and between 10 and 15% for Ludus, which was obviously a slightly newer brand. So we're delighted you know, with that initial result and we're just thinking now about um, what we do now. We will be definitely doing um, more Ludus and more gory games this year, but I think it's really interesting for producers to think, um, you know, having watched that and seeing that we've got, we've got so few um, emails or complaints about the, the tech not actually working. It all seemed to work, whether you're in the pub or whether you're at home, you know, that everyone trying it out said, it worked, it worked, um, which was, was delightful. So we're looking forward to discussing more play-along opportunities, but we, we don't yet know, in a sense, you know, what proportion of shows on the, the channel will conform you know, to that structure. And we're so trying to create new habits with children which will take a certain amount of scale of content to do, because despite things we all read about how children do 75 things at once. Actually, a lot of children still just want to sit and watch things on the telly and, and enjoy storytelling. Mm. So we're trying to build new habits. I think a third of the Ludus audience downloaded the app, didn't they? It was quite a phenomenal proportion. Yes, I, I may have just made that figure up. But <laughs> it, it sounds good. Um, it was also Simon, Simon Cobb's here. You can tell us. Come on, Simon. For both, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it's also a free app, which, yeah, which app. Yeah, was a good entry point. Um, yeah. Do you do a lot of research for that in the pub? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I won't tell you the indie producer who I was talking to this morning when I was discussing this, and he said, "Oh yeah, it was brilliant. I was just sitting in the pub, and it came on, and I was playing along, and it all worked perfectly." So it wasn't actually me, but it was someone who we all know very well. Um, and play along games at perhaps the, the upper end of the CBB's audience. I mean, they're all they're. 
all using their parents' tablets from mm -hmm. two, three, possibly even younger, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you, you, you're looking at too? For the yes, I, I mean, it's about finding the right content. Um, and obviously, we launched the CBB's Playtime app, which mm -hmm. has been phenomenally successful. So I think that's, that's sort of been a, a big first step for us, and we're actually about to launch another one later this year. So um, Another app yeah. of... Uh, Across CBBS or with particular brands? It's 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 a uh, uh, yeah. It features several brands and it's it's sort of got more of a theme of um, storytelling. So we'll have two out there. So I think we feel that that gives our audience what they want yeah. when they want wherever they are. Uh, but certainly, if, if if the right proposal came along, then we'd absolutely look at that. Good. Okay. Well, we should probably open up for for questions in a second. One thing I I, I put to you guys at the start before we had the panel, which I have asked previously, is best and worst lines in pictures, mistakes people make, the great things they do. You mentioned 40 Towers meets the Muppets, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, any other things stand out for you? Okay. Um, I think it's, it's when somebody has a passion for something and you can see that it comes from the heart because that always transfers to the screen. You know, whether it's um, Katie Morag, Topsy and Tim, you know, there was a real passion there. Um, and I think that's where shows like, you know, in the end, you know, shows like Teletubbies come from. They come from a place that absolutely serves the audience. I think the worst thing anybody can say to me in a pitch is, um, you know, Here, here's all the merchandise, because that's not the place to start. You know, so that's, that's the worst. And I did have somebody once perform some magic tricks, um, but it wasn't actually, it was before we, um, I think it was, I, I met them down in London, and it, the television centre was sort of being cleared out, so we were in the sort of coffee bar, and they, they um, started doing these magic tricks, which involved sort of, um, very, very small pyrotechnics, but I did think, oh, we're going to set the sprinkler system <laughs> off any minute. But they just went for it, and I kind of applaud them for that, but um, did didn't get a few. Um, we, it, didn't, it didn't get any no. further, but it was, it was a great pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, two things, really. I think that um, we often get people coming in who literally have not watched the channel mm -hmm. at all yeah. and pitch something or several things that we've already literally got on the channel. And that is a waste of everybody's time. So I would always urge people to watch the channel before they pitch a new show. Um, I think it's very hard because Kay and I are very busy. I think all controllers are busy. And we literally can't meet everybody. It's just not feasible. Um, we're aware of the frustrations people sort of want to get to us. But I had one instance, I checked with Melissa, it was OK to mention this, um, where someone who's been particularly sort of offended that I was asking them to meet Melissa um, before they met me, says right back and said, blah, 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 I can't believe you're fobbing me off with an assistant. Um, when Melissa is our senior commissioning exec in CBBC, so um, this was incredibly rude and immediately made me furious um, uh, on Melissa's behalf. Um, so I think courtesy and just being aware of the system to some degree never, never goes amiss. And uh, when people... I met someone just earlier as well who was incredibly polite to me and said, I understand... Um, why, why we can't make the show and they'd had bad news from us but we're being really gracious and grown up about it and I just thought how marvellous you know it just makes the whole because it's not easy for us either to turn down meetings or to turn down shows because we're aware of you know always of how much work and passion goes into it and this person was behaving like a grown up and that's always a good thing I'm sure Joe's had a few corkers well I I, <laughs> and I still do I get a funny select because most people know that 
don't really do anything at BBC Children's other than <laughs> take the credit for everything. No, but no, I get... no one's jumping up to deny that. No. <laughs> most, most notably you. Um, the, the, um, I get a lot of people send me ideas which are really awful, and they're sort of things that look like they've been scribbled them with their left hand whilst drunk on a piece of paper, sent them to me. And I had one the other day which had the classic line in it, I'd like to know how you'd like to develop this fairly soon because there's a lot of interest from Disney and Nickelodeon. <laughs> Which just gave me the opportunity to say, well, good luck with Disney and Nickelodeon and let me know how you get on. The worst one I get a lot, I can't explain this and please don't try to, is Dear Miss Godwin, that always annoys me. <laughs> and, and the one thing that isn't a good idea, which I also get, is... I spoke to Cheryl about this and she doesn't think it's right for CBBC can you have a look <laughs> which, which is the classic That's mum says no go and ask dad yeah, thing and it just yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay on that let's uh, let's open up for questions I'm sure there's lots out there hi um, I was just wondering um, what you thought or felt were the challenges facing you as commissioners on, on children's TV coming up in the, in, the, in, the, in the near future? Joe. I, I, well, I'm the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might give them the wrong idea about our working relationship. No, I know, I know. I'll stop um, now. I think that they're multiple. I think we have, you know, without being complacent or, 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 or showing off, I actually think our, the range and breadth and quality of our content is fantastic. I think the challenges are around funding, always squeeze. We heard yesterday in the tax break session about the inflation in our business, which has been inadvertently caused by other tax breaks, raising some of production costs and all the other rising costs we know, and the, the whole debate that's to come about the license fee and the BBC Charter. I think the biggest challenge for us day to day is the constantly and frighteningly fast speed of the changing consumption patterns. So what was last week's known consumption pattern, this week has changed. And we were talking about this earlier about how what happens at five o'clock in the afternoon on a television channel these days has no rhyme or reason to it from one week to the next. Whereas there's suddenly more viewing in the morning. And then the iPlayer, the biggest challenge we've got is understanding where people are, because at the moment we've got a very long-standing, well-established system of metrics for television viewing that I think we think are quite robust. There are other metrics for video on demand and website usage. Marrying all those up, because my, my view is that the future does not lie in tracking TV reach and share. The future for children's lies in understanding all the various touch points they're going to, whether it's on demand, whether it's real-world experiences, whether it's merchandise, whether it's downloads, but, but at the moment we can't understand that in a, in a holistic way. So I think that's, that's mm. our biggest challenge, is, is just understanding what's going on. Mm. I agree. And I think, I mean, people talk a lot about funding, and I don't think that's an easy problem to resolve, really, but we try very hard um, to think of different ways of doing things. And I, I thought it might be useful just to mention one show, which is um, uh, Richard Hammond's Miracles of Nature, which actually went out on BBC One um, and did pretty well there, um, but at nine o'clock. And we looked at that and thought, the way it's shot and all the things he's doing are really high-end, brilliant experiments around animal 
behaviour. And if we just tweaked a bit here and there, there were a couple of you know, vague sexual references or slightly rich language. So we snipped those out um, and repackaged it and put it out on the channel, um, just calling it Richard, Ham Richard Hammond's Miracles of Nature. And it, it did unbelievably well. And um, I think it was in the, the top five most viewed factual shows on the channel and got a staggering AI of 89, um, the channel average being 83. Um, and this was a really good way of offering our audience something that was really high-end, incredibly engaging, and ultimately very successful, but at a fraction of the cost of what it might have cost us to originate. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean to say that we, you know, we want to make all our factual, fact-dent shows kind of repackages, but that was just one oh, thing, yeah. one way of addressing um, some of these issues. So we're always looking at, at, at how producers can be as resourceful as possible, I think, in terms of maintaining quality, but, but just using funds in a clever way. Is there... The opportunity to look at that earlier in the commissioning process. I mean, at the point to co-commission essentially. Well, with the factual show. off the back of that, um, um, Scotland are doing a, a, a really clever little group of um, of shows called Blow Your Mind, which is taking different um, blobs in a sense of a factual show again from BBC One, Two, and Four mainly, um, and and reversioning them um, using um, Doctors Chris and Zand as the sort of CBBC friendly portal to those subjects. So I think, you know, just having done that once and seeing how well it worked meant that we could then look earlier on in the commissioning process and, and um, you know, repeat, repeat it. So yes, it's, as I say, there's a, there, we can't do it with everything, no. obviously, but, but, you know, we will we'll see how it goes with, with Blow Your Mind and, and Take a View. And I mean, across both channels, NHU content has been reused, of course, in different, different yeah, shows, and yeah. that, that's an ongoing yes. partnership, I presume. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Uh, at the front here. Thank you. Hello. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Minecraft recently, and everyone mentions it here at the tech, the tech sessions. And this idea that kids are not just playing it in the millions, but watching it on YouTube in the millions. And mm. this guy Stampy is like the fourth biggest channel. Is that something, as a BBC, you can't really do much around because it's a commercial game? Or are you thinking about this kind of crafting culture and digital crafting? and, and how you can be involved in that. It's hard to, re you're, you're right, because it's a, a commercial and an, an increasingly complicated commercial thing. It, it's hard to, to, as it were, cover it. You know, we're not gonna have a, not gonna cover it like we cover Wimbledon or, but, but I think the, the, the interesting thing is, is the phenomena and the attraction of it. And also being, being, you know, being able to reflect the fact that our audience or parts of our audience are obsessed with it. But I think there's a lot of learning from it, its form, but also, as you say, the YouTube fan stuff, which is just phenomenal. Mm. But it's, it's hard to do a lot of content about Minecraft. Although we get a lot of people in the last two months coming saying, we're talking to Minecraft. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what those talks result in. Hello. Um, there was a recent announcement about increasing um, diversity on screen uh, um, from the BBC overall increasing uh, diversity of people represented on, on screen. Does, ha, does that affect um, CBBC or CBBC? It wasn't clear from the press release. I didn't really, un I didn't really understand it. Um, perhaps nobody else did either. It, no, it, well, it, it, I, I wouldn't use the phrase, will it affect CBBC? Well, it's so, up will to you will, will, will see benefit from it. I just didn't really understand how it was going to... The, the, the fact is that, that CBBC and CBBC are probably 
way ahead of not just other BBC channels, but, yes. you know, with the honourable exception of BBC Three, but of, of all other channels in terms of diversity in the broadest sense. So if you look at... You, you cannot turn on CBBC or CBBS and not get a sense of what modern Britain looks like, is my view. It's not a question that... Um, that you're not doing enough or something in that area. I don't think anyone's ever doing enough, and I think that, that announcement was about the BBC as a whole, and I think it's very important um, that, that it's not just about... I think portrayal on CBBS and CBBC is very good. It can always be better because Britain is always changing and we've got to keep up with that and, and work harder. I think the BBC as a whole needs to get better, at, and it isn't about some politically correct box-ticking exercise. Mm. It's about the British Broadcasting Corporation reflecting modern Britain, and I think there's a lot more to be done about that. And I think at the same time, and looking at this room reminds me of it, we've got to do a lot more to make our industry look like modern Britain. Because ultimately, if our industry looks like modern Britain, our output will as well. It will One will lead to the other. That's quite a slow process, mm. is, the, is, the, is the difficult thing. So I think there's two things, and I think we, we don't feel... We don't feel that's an imposition. We feel that's a challenge that we need to rise to and do a lot more. And as I say, it isn't a political correct being nice to people thing. It's an essential part of our business as a publicly funded public service broadcaster. But there was money. There was sort of money attached to that announcement, and I didn't really understand how it was going to. There be wasn't. Deployed. There wasn't any money attached oh, to that announcement. Okay. There was <laughs> much to everybody's annoyance. There's, there never, was, there's never any money never attached. Any money attached. <laughs> what, what, what there was was a commitment to make sure a proportion of television development funds were used against projects that could be demonstrated to be advancing the diverse portrayal on, on our services. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> um, so will, will all parts of the BBC be able to pitch into that, into the, into that development pot? Or how does no, that... I think it's existing money, isn't it, Joanne? It's what? It's using existing money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a sort of special fund. Money. So if, no. if BBC Television, but by which I don't mean us, has X million pounds, which it spends on scripts, yeah. tasters, um, talent and stuff like that, a proportion of that, and I think they said 10%, you, you will just, to, 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 for a commissioner to be able to give that to you to do the development, you'll have to be able to demonstrate what it's going to do to advance diverse portrayal. They haven't worked out the full mechanics of it, but that's the principle. So it's tagging some existing funds as, you can have this, but just show us why it helps us fulfil this. And we're going to try and do something similar within children's as well. Okay. Next question. Uh, everyone on the, the far, far side here. Uh, I was just wondering, um, I'm sure this is probably a question you get asked a lot in hate, but what shows, kind of, pitches do you not see enough of? Is there any certain areas that you think, uh, we don't see enough in that area? Well, is there anything particular in those for, for both channels that you... Um, My colleague? Gosh. <laughs> I get such a wide range, and I mean, I suppose now we've opened up to drama, you know, um, you know, factual. We did our first observational <coughs> documentary this year as well, in Time for School, which... Um, we hadn't done before, so I suppose that's new, and again, putting children at the heart of it, and uh, yeah, that was quite a risk, really, you know, th there's scenes where, you know, children actually fall out in the classroom, and then the teacher has to sort of get them to make friends, and that might seem sort of quite simple to us as adults, but actually that's a really big deal for a, for a child, so it's those kind of things. So um, perhaps a little bit more 
uh, of that. But I honestly have the most enormous range of proposals and the difficulty is that I can't possibly do them all and the worst thing of this in this job is actually having to say no to something that I know is good but I simply don't have the room or it's not the right time or doesn't fit at the moment so um, but I'm all I'm always really pleased to see something that you know I haven't thought of or I you know somebody comes and says I think there's a gap here and I think oh, actually you're right that's really interesting tell me more so um but as, as Cheryl said, I, I also really hate it if people come and tell me this is the best thing ever. And I say, but actually, we've got something very similar. And they just go, oh, but this is very different from that. And, it, you know, when people haven't watched the channel and, and, and have, a, have a sense of the ethos. But um, uh, no, I get a, a huge range of ideas, very rich range of ideas. In fact, the last couple of days, I've seen about uh, six proposals that uh, are quite different from anything I've seen before. So be honest, I think the production community and the creative community out there are amazing and they never ever cease to come up with great ideas. I just wish I could do more of them. Cheryl? Um, I mean, I suppose a useful way of addressing your question is to sort of talk a little bit about possible development um, areas currently on the channel, although, they, although you know, to echo Kay, this is quite difficult because um, especially in drama and comedy, We've got a very rich offering, um, a lot of um, strong series which will have, you know, returning potential. So I think it, it, we can never and we would never say, you know, the doors are closed in that sense. But um, there is no doubt that the last 18 months has seen a huge increase in very high quality drama and comedy offerings coming through. I think, you know, there's a brilliant show on the channel called Marrying Mum and Dad which um, you know, does put children right at the heart of the show. They arrange their parents' marriage. And within the show, um, it has a, a couple of really neat format points. Obviously, it's very emotional. Um, kids are very excited about that idea of doing something grown up, the sort of mini-me thing that we were talking about um, a little bit yesterday in the session. And I think those sort of formats, which aren't massively expensive, but involve children and have, as I say, mm. properly um, sort of textured and grabby format points so that, like marrying mum and dad, as you can imagine it, you know, can be returning for, for several years, are in relatively short supply. Um, you'll notice if you scrutinise the channel that in terms of comedic duos, they tend to be male, Dick and Dom, Sam and Mark, Johnny and Inel. And I think I said last year that, you know, I'd dearly love to generates a few more opportunities for perhaps a female duo, although, you know, obviously that's sort of talent dependent. Um, and I think we've always got opportunities on our, our you know, brilliant My Life strand. Um, Kez Margri is here and she's the person to talk to if you've got um, a really great idea for, you know, looking at the life of an inspiring um, and interesting child. These do incredibly well on the channel um, and um, across all age groups um, and demo demographic groups. Um, and all I would do is urge you to go onto the website and have a look at the ones that we've done before because CARES gets an awful lot of, in a sense, repeat offers, um, especially if there's been a particularly interesting child-related story in the newspapers. We, she suddenly gets sort of 20 people ringing up saying, oh, we want to do a My Life about this child who ate or just or whatever it is. Um, so do have a look at what's gone before, but there, we do um, a minimum of 10 My Lives a year. Um, so there's opportunities there. And as I say, I think, you know, in 18 months when possibly if there is some kind of softer development going on around comedy and drama, I'd say that the one area is that sort of boisterous boy 
um, type, which because um, for the next 18 months you'll see a brilliant selection of slightly more female skewing shows coming through. And I'll probably regret saying this, but although we've had you know absolutely amazing um, drama on the channel, my one of my ambitions is to do a show that sort of you know can equal Doctor Who, where the BBC One controller is fighting to have it on BBC One on a Saturday evening. So that's a little personal ambition. But um, although yeah. and uh, and because of the, the people are sitting in the back row, I think Wizards versus Aliens is that. Yeah. But you mean another one, don't you? <laughs> yes, and I do. And um, Wizards has, has been fantastic. I just spoke in the middle at the back. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Wizards. Um, but it hasn't yet been, you know, no. made, made the journey to be one, which is annoying, isn't it, Phil? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, that's... Well, you are, and you're very good. Can I you? talk about Wizards as well? Because I think the other thing for CBBS and CBBC is be bold and help us to be bold. Because actually, we, 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 are, we have purposes. We're, we're not just here to do stuff that's good. There's got to be, why is it on CBBC? Why is it on CBBS? What is the BBC in this space for? And I think Wizards is an example of, of high-quality, fantastic storytelling, wonderfully engaging drama, but some really, you know bold storylines in there around sexuality and things like that. Marrying Mum and Dad, which Cheryl mentioned, won the Stonewall Award for broadcasting. That's a kid's channel, beat all sorts of other programmes. So bold is what we need to be doing, and we need producers through their ideas to push us to be bold. Here, here. There you go. Uh, that's, that's a great closing moment, unless we have one final question. So I think we're all inching towards lunch now. <laughs> Okay, well, it just reminds me to thank the panel, Kay, Cheryl, and Joe. Thank you. Show your appreciation. Thank you.